Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Uh, we have started off this year together talking about uh, how we grow. Uh, and, and I think significantly, as we have been talking about, uh, here you can take that for, there you go. Awesome, thank you. Uh, as we've been talking about growth, uh, starting with talking about growth out of a place of trust, trusting in God and his grace for us, uh, not growth out of having to uh, outwork or outstrive the person next to us, um, but, but out of this place of rest and trust and grace. We want to shift gears a little bit this week uh, and talk about how we help others grow. Uh, specifically, want to talk about how we help uh, kids grow uh, from, from the very little uh, up through our teenagers. What kind of environments can we create uh, that help kids grow? And uh, for some of you, this is going to feel very personal because you have uh, kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews that you are helping to grow. Uh, and so as we talk about this, it will feel immediately applicable in that sense. Uh, but I, I really believe that helping kids grow has to be, has to be both personal and communal. That there are personal relationships that we have, but we also need community as we help kids grow. And statistic after statistic uh, backs this up, how significant community is uh, for the strength and health of our young people. And uh, yes, family systems and socioeconomic background, those kinds of things, uh, those obviously play a huge role. But the statistics show that Community helps strengthen those things or even overcome those things uh, when, when needed. Within the church circle of things, a, a couple of statistics uh, that, that I have found really intriguing uh, as we, we talk about these environments and helping kids grow. Uh, one is seven or eight years ago, somebody did a study of uh, young adults who had grown up in the church and decided to stay in, in the church. And, and they looked at it and said, what do these folks have in common? Is there some sort of common thread in at least most of them that we could say, well, here's an indicator of why they not only uh, grew up all the way through church, but then stuck around. And it wasn't a denomination. It wasn't uh, some super impactful conference. It wasn't how many pizza parties they had in youth group. Uh, it was that they all had at least five Christian adults who had loved them and pointed them toward Jesus. So if you are a parent and feeling like, I have no idea how to do this on my own, yep, you don't, and that's okay. In these five, at least five, there's a community aspect uh, to this. Uh, another study more recently, examining what makes uh, kids feel like they belong, in, whether it's school or church, or what, what makes them feel like they belong in a place. And the number one indicator was adults who knew their name and used it. Just knew their name. 
and, and called them, said hi by name, which again, and I think you'll discover as we go through this this morning, a lot of these things that apply to how we think about raising of young people uh, also apply to adults. We're far more likely to feel like we belong if somebody will know our name and, and use it. So we're going to talk through this a little bit this morning, and I uh, am for sure uh, no expert uh, in this, uh, and so I have uh, asked some people for help. Uh, now, they are, are not experts either, um, but uh, they are uh, people that uh, I know and, and trust and know their background and experience. Um, many of you will also uh, will, will qualify in that category, um, but a panel of 80 people felt like it might be a little much. So uh, these folks have, have kindly uh, agreed to, to chat with me, and, and I'm hoping that our different experiences and, and background uh, lead to a, a healthy and helpful uh, conversation. Uh, so uh, I think maybe we'll, we'll start with uh, introductions. It seems like a good place to start. Uh, so uh, name and uh, your experience with helping kids grow. So uh, my name is Josh. And I uh, have over 15 years of work in youth ministry, um, and I have a 13 and 10-year-old uh, daughters. My name... Oh, my oh name boy. All right. Well, my name is Jolene, and I have um, worked with kids since I was one. There you go. I, um, <laughs> Fair I enough. Have, I claim six kids. Four of them are biological. They are... 10, 16, 17, 19, 20, 21. The 19-year-old is biologically my nephew, and I got to have him since he was just before he turned 12. And the 17-year-old is a friend of mine's daughter, and she recently passed away. So, New addition. Yeah. And my name's Marianne, and I am the mother of three um, adults, 23, a 23-year-old and two 27-year-olds in a blended family. Um, and I was 30 years in education as an elementary school teacher and elementary school principal before going into business with my husband. So. My name is Sky Henderson. I've been working. Oh, well, I can't. I don't have a button, so I'll just keep it here. Is there a? Is there a? Uh, Hello. I mean, we'll we'll test the mic. I'm here. Are we, I'm good. Are we, All right, Brad, give me the go ahead. Um, so my name is Sky Henderson. I've been working uh, with middle and high school and college students for the last 16 years, and the last two and a half of that has been here as the youth pastor. Yeah. Uh, and I, I promised these folks that I would make very clear uh, that we are not the experts. I mean, uh, those of you who know me and my wife know I'm not even the right person in my own marriage, probably, to be up here having this discussion. Um, uh, and, and for sure, the uh, kids that we have raised and served would be the first ones to tell you that we are not the experts in this. Uh, but again, hopefully you hear in, in all those varied experiences, um, not, not only some interest in this area uh, and some passion around it, but um, hopefully some, some different perspectives that uh, give you something to, uh, to take home with you into whatever your context uh, is whether that's uh, how we help kids grow as a church um, in in your own homes, in your neighborhoods, your coworkers, kids, extended family, uh, what whatever it may be. So, so really, only two questions that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, one is how do we create environments, or what goes into creating an environment for kids to grow well. Uh, and the other then will be how do we as a church, as a culture. Uh, as a community, 
um, do that well? What, what needs to be true of us so that we can, we can help, help kids, kids grow? So, uh, so Jillian, we'll, we'll start with you. What, what goes into creating a, a healthy environment for, for kids to grow? I think the main ingredient for kids to be able to grow is unconditional love. And what I mean by that is your child knowing that you love them regardless of their mistakes and their success. No matter how well they succeed, you can't love them anymore. And no matter what mistakes they made or how many times they fail, it's not going to affect how much you love them. And that makes it where they feel secure enough that they're able to try to do new things. They're able to explore and in doing that they grow. And I also think that um, when they know that you love them at that level, they know that you want their highest good. You're, um, you're on their team and you're looking for their success. And when they know that, then the rules and the boundaries that you set are, um, they're not going to like them, but, <laughs> but it's something that's going to, they're going to recognize that you're doing it for their good. Um, as they're growing and they they are trying to discover what they want to do with their life or um, how they want to have new friends and what, they, um, what things are important to them, they're going to be willing to come to you and talk to you about that, knowing that your advice is at least what you believe in, is in their best interest. Yeah, yeah. Any thoughts about that? I, I should say that like uh, my kids were in the room last night. They're downstairs uh, today. These guys' kids are in the room. It's weird when your kids are in the room to talk about this because we know that you guys are going, uh-huh, sure. Anyway, go ahead, Mary. Truth. Um, so I think uh, kind of to take off from what Jolene said, um, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I ever received um, was lead with love. And I think that, like Josh was talking about, that has to do with whomever we're in front of. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I think is really important in raising our kids is making sure that when, because our identity at some level seems to be tied with our kids, um, either as a teacher or as an administrator or as a parent, Um, the opportunity to make sure that I respond to them instead of react to them Mm -hmm. is a huge difference. Um, If I'm responding to them uh, over a question that is difficult or a choice that they've made, I leave that door open to have a conversation. If I'm reacting, then I'm dealing with the emotion of that situation, and there is nothing that is really accomplished in that. Yeah, yeah, I, I know one of the, the choices that I had to make when my kids were little, oldest probably three or four, was just recognizing um, that yes, other people are going to judge me based on their behaviors, uh, but that can't actually drive my parenting. That that they are their own independent person. I found that a lot easier to do in youth ministry when they're not biologically mine. Uh, but, but to, with my own kids, say, okay, but, but they are their own individual person. And so when they were little, it was things like, I mean, I wouldn't dress you that way, but, sh- but sure, sure, you can, you can wear that. That's, that's fine. I think you're going to freeze your little tail off, but that's okay. That's, uh, I guess that's your choice. Uh, Letting them, and, and this is something that just as they've gotten older has felt more and more 
important is letting them be their own person. That whether other people think they are a reflection on me or not is not actually up to me. Um, and uh, I don't want to try to help them grow into me. I want to help them grow into the best version of them. Um, and, and so letting them be their own independent person, which as they get older, then the stakes of those decisions uh, do get greater and greater. And that's scarier and scarier. But, uh, but letting them um, be, be themselves and be who, uh, who they are, which I think is part of that unconditional like I'm, I'm loving them as them, not uh, only loving them if they do the thing that I want them to, to I do. I think the other thing that goes along with that that I really reflected on last night after we had this conversation yesterday was the importance of prayer in all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because our kids are going to make choices that we would prefer them not to be making. Sure. Um, whether they are life choices or spiritual choices or whatever they are. And at the end of the day, I am fallible and I have not done, I have not been a perfect parent by any means. Um, So I've got to lean on the one who has ultimate control and can ultimately influence my kids from the time that they are infants to grown adults. And I'm going to tell you, I've experienced them all right now and the grown adults are they that's tough it's tough um that was not the news i wanted i'm sorry josh i'm sorry (laughs) i mean each 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 stage is its own thing yes we love them all equally yeah yeah yeah. each phase has their own thing but (laughs) um you know yeah yeah we could talk if you want (laughs) (laughs) fair enough i also uh want to say as we're we're talking about letting them be themselves and the decisions that they're going to make that we don't uh, agree with. I think it's really easy to try to, um, uh, even if we know inside our four walls of our home, things are falling apart to try to create that image for everybody else that we're fine. We're fine. We got it all together. Um, and, uh, I'm, uh, very grateful to, and, and have told my kids this and talked about it with other pastors often, very grateful to be at a church that does not force that on my kids. Um, that, that they don't have to be the, the perfect little angels, which is fabulous because they're not. And, um, and, and uh, that's all part of, for me, allowing them to be their own, their own person is that I'm also not trying to craft or, or through them, which is really what ends up happening. We're trying to craft an image of our family. We're using our kids as tools to impress other people. Um, and we can all go, well, that's not right, but, but so tempting. So tempting. Yeah. Yeah, one practical um, way to love uh, that sticks out to me it comes from a quote that has been on my mind for a while now. It's something like, um, love is so indistinguishable from listening today that they're practically the same. Um, mm. So if you want to love someone well, it means listening well to them. Um, and I think that's especially true for our students and our younger generations, that it's letting them... S- speak and know that they have a voice and to not have our own agenda necessarily. Um, So I've heard a lot about Taylor Swift. Uh, (laughs) I particularly don't care about Taylor Swift. Um, Fighting words, But in order to love well, I have to listen about Taylor or hear a lot about Taylor Swift. So that's just a dumb practical example um, for what Wednesday this might look like. But like oftentimes um, when we listen, we're actually waiting for an opportunity to speak ourselves. 
And I right. think we need to suspend that and actually let them say what they yeah. want to say. And, and actually, uh, I want to be careful how I say this because I, I don't want to imply that we should fake interest in things, but being willing to honestly listen to things that you honestly don't care about uh, is, is part of that whole uh, idea of, of loving them as they are and where they're at and uh, what's, uh, what's going on in their, in their lives. Um, part of it, for me at least, is wanting to recognize that when um, my kids want to talk to me about something that matters to them that I don't think is important, whether it's the drama at school or whatever they watched on YouTube or whatever it might be, um, that what I'm doing, hopefully, is um, setting the groundwork for, hey, we have conversations in which I listen. Um, so that when there are things that I do want to hear from them, uh, they, they know they can, can come to me and, and talk about uh, some of those things as, as well. I think you can even set the stage at a younger age when we've got toddlers and little ones that say, watch me, watch me, watch me. Um, and I saw something the other day that reminded me, instead of watch me, which feels like an interruption in my day, to witness me, witness what I am, witness mm -hmm. who I am. And so just that mindset switch of setting aside for a few moments whatever it is that I'm doing to really hone in on this little person that is going to be someday, like you said, mm -hmm. a bigger person and having the um, invitation to continue to be part of their lives and influence them in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. Um making clear that you'll hold space for them, which may just practically look like, hey, I need to finish this thing. Um, and then I would, I'd love to, I, I think that's even better, actually, for at least in my experience with, with kids, children of all ages, is, uh, hey, give me three minutes. Let me finish this. So I'd, I'd rather give them, here's, here's my attention uh, for you for those three minutes um, uh, than try to do a distracted back and forth thing. So if you've got a pot boiling on the stove, it's okay to say... Hang on, but I, I want to watch. I want to watch, yeah. Any other thoughts that come to mind? For how do, Sky, how does that practically play out for in, in youth ministry, um, wanting to create an environment where, uh, where they know they will be heard? This wasn't from last night. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm springing things on you. I think I'll piggyback off of Jolene in the sense of they need to know that they are safe um, yeah. around you, uh, that they know that they're going to be cared for, um, that they will be loved no matter what crazy things they might say or what behaviors they might exhibit, um, that we actually want them there and that we value mm -hmm. them and that we care about them and that we're committed to being in relationship with them. Um, and... I think for us as followers of Jesus, the reason for that is clear, that we're committed to them because Jesus is committed to us no matter how crazy or weird we might be or just awful, right? right. Um, but Jesus commits to us. And so to make sure that we have an environment where that is clear, that they know that there's that level of commitment and love. Yeah. Suspending, suspending judgment. Yes. I mean, yeah. 
that's yeah. from things but both of you have said that's yeah. what brings to mind you know mm -hmm. Jesus did that for us right so yeah letting, letting just have space to uh, to be wrong to to whatever um, uh, I know uh, Sky you and I've talked about doubts and just the role that doubts um, play in creating that that safe space for for listening um, it, it can be really easy to uh, to get real concerned and freak out when our kids start um, start expressing some some doubts, uh, especially in a, a faith place like this. I think the temptation can be when our you know whether they're seven or seventeen and they start questioning things that we've taught them to go whoa 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 <laughs> no 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 asking questions um, but but to provide that space. For, for doubts and questions and digging in. Um, one of the analogies that has worked well for me recently is, uh, are you all familiar with Jenga? The, the Jenga tower, right? These little wood blocks you kind of pull out one at a time. Um, as we raise kids in faith, or really in anything, um, we're building a Jenga tower of truth for them, one little block at a time. And, and we're doing that because we believe these things are true and important and we want them to believe them. Uh, but eventually we want like currently, uh, especially for like my 10 year old, we're at the point where her tower of faith understanding is mostly my tower of faith understanding and, and other people who worked with her in, in kids ministry and that kind of thing. Okay. At some point, I want that to be her faith tower, right? We want them to own their faith. We want it to be theirs. That's going to mean that they have to pull out each of those little bricks and go, do I believe this thing? Do I believe this is true? And some of them, they're going to chuck to the side. Uh, and that's horrifying because we go, no, 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 that's important. That's why I gave it to you. And, and that moment where we just want to go, nope, no more asking questions. We're just going to hold this tower together, uh, particularly if they start digging around at the base of that tower and the stuff that we know that we know that we know is true and we taught them and they start going, actually, does God exist? And we go, no, that one, that one you need to, look how wobbly your tower is right now. And, and people call that deconstruction. They call it all kinds of things. But that actually needs to happen. That pulling on each block and going, is this true? Uh, has to happen for it to be their faith. My tower of faith looks very different than it did uh, at 17, 18, 19 years old even. Because I've had to pull stuff out and go, this is something somebody taught me was true when I was six. Is this actually true or not? Do I actually believe this? Is it as core to my tower as I was taught it is? Um, or, or, so that whole reconstruction of, of what we believe uh, starts with having this safe place. If they're going to own it, they've got to be able to doubt it and say, yeah, I, I believe this thing is, is true. Yeah. So last night we had this conversation and we were in a room with all of the people that I've gone to for advice. And so that was kind of awkward to sit here and try to say anything helpful because most of it had come from people in the room. And today we're sitting here and not only are some of my children in this room, but almost all of the people that my children go to to say, hey, my mom's screwing up. Hey, my life's a mess <laughs> yes. um, are in this room. But I do have to say that... Um, my kids have grown up in this church and they've been supported by so many people. You talked about having the five. You know, my kids have had the five and they've been able to go to people and say, 
I don't know if I believe this thing or this really hard thing is happening in my life. And not only have my kids had um, incredible support and had people answer their questions 500 times if necessary, not judge them for asking the questions that they've asked, but I've also had a lot of support from um, the youth leaders and from you know all of all of you. For um, nobody's judged my parenting. Nobody's come up to me and said you are a horrible failure <laughs> as a parent. So um, I do think that allowing them to doubt is so important, and and allowing them to have people that they can bring those questions to, even if it's not you, because as they get older. It's not you. So right. you either give them permission and you provide them with people that, that you trust, that you um, believe have good answers for them and you point them in that direction, or they take their doubts and their questions and their fears to their friends at school, to YouTube, to Google, and that's not where we want our kids getting answers from. Right. Yeah. Yeah, providing that space for them. Yeah. I, would, I would say that... Um, my kids did not have the opportunity to really grow up in this church. And um, they experienced the antithesis of what Jolene is talking about. Um, and there's been a lot of hurt because of that, that they didn't have people that they could go and talk to and um, feel supported by and ask those tough questions. And they are going to ask them, and if they don't, if we don't provide or find five people for them to connect with, um, it can have some serious consequences. Um, so yeah. it's, it's up to us to all be part of that. That is part of that community aspect of, uh, it's part of why I uh, love the, um, I love that we've got really quality people working uh, with our kids downstairs and, um, and working with our youth. Uh, most of them don't feel at all qualified for any of that, um, which is part of what makes them great at it because they're not walking in going, let me tell you all the answers. I've got this figured out. Um, but just keeping space for kids to be safe and loved and, um, and ask their questions. And, uh, and it is hard uh, as parents to know that our kids are going to other people and saying, here's the thing I'm struggling with, when you know that sometimes that thing they're struggling with is you as the parent. Um, so uh, I got to be one of those people for uh, Jolene's kids, um, and now uh, Jolene is one of those people for mine, um, which is fantastic, because then we can judge each other's parenting, and that's great. Uh, no, it's uh, the full circle of that has been super fun. but. Um, that is hard to let go and know that they're getting influence and maybe not saying things that you want them to in these other conversations. Uh, but again, uh, it's so important that they, they have those outlets um, because there are things we want them to talk about and we don't want them getting all of their answers from Google or other 13-year-olds. Like, yes, great that they have friends who can help them through some of those things to go through them together, but, uh, but we would love for them to have other people who can speak into it. And as much as we would love to believe that they are going to bring every little issue to us as mom and dad, they're not, <laughs> uh, particularly when we are the issue. But even when we aren't, they're not. And so uh, how do we as a community make ourselves available? Doesn't mean they won't choose Google. They won't choose other 13-year-olds. They will. But, uh, but how do we provide environments and, and make ourselves available uh, to them? 
uh, to, to be able to, to do that. Uh, any other thoughts on that question of creating environments or spaces? Okay, because uh, that kind of makes a nice transition to our second question, um, which is how do we, uh, as a church community, from your perspective, um, be a place, uh, create environments where, where kids can grow? Um, and just to uh, increase the degree of difficulty here, um, I'm, I'm talking about outside of kids' ministry and youth ministry. Because again, we have awesome people serving that. Uh, uh, Allie would like me to make sure that I plug that we could use more awesome people serving downstairs with our kids because there's never, no church has ever said, you know what we have too many of? We have too many people who want to love our kids. Uh, but um, we have awesome people working in those and they are creating those environments. But even if we're not involved in those kind of things, sometimes I think that becomes the cop out of like, well, I'm glad there are those people over there who will love our kids and help them grow. But how, how do we do that uh, as as a church, what what comes to mind? Well, I think some of the things that were mentioned last night were really helpful. I mean, we're doing a lot of things in our church um, multi generationally, mm-hmm. and I think that's critical. Um, the game nights, the worship nights, the all those kinds of things. So con- to continue those, yeah. um, I think is is important. Um, finding figuring out a way. Um, maybe it's even assigning youth or kids one-on-one to somebody else, an adult in the congregation, that is just a prayer person to pray for that child. I may not be able to have the time to work at youth ministry or children's ministry, but I can certainly, in my life every day, pray for a kiddo in our church and what an impact that can have over a long course of time. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it would be yeah. cool. Yeah, and if you are uh, interested in something like that, where you're like, okay, I want to figure out a way to pray for or love our kids and teenagers better, um, and and I'm not so sure that I uh, want to be uh, active in a classroom or a, a youth small group, uh, please, by all means, reach out to Sky and Allie, and I am sure that they can start to get creative with ways uh, that, that you could be loving our, our kids kids well. So, yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts about how we as a church do this? I think as far as unconditional love goes, um, we are told that we'll be known by our love for one another. And mm. sadly, that's not what Christianity is known for in our society. We're not known for love. We're known for judgment. So I think um, that's something we can all just continue to work on is loving other people. And that doesn't mean that we um, turn a blind eye to things that are going on that shouldn't be going on because we don't want to be judgmental. It means that we step into people's mess with them and we help them recognize where Mm -hmm. they need to change and grow to be more like Christ. So I think that's something that, that all of us can work on. That's something... In this church, you know, I have been able to walk in this last year with my just mess. um, And instead of being judged and um, criticized for it, people stepped into my mess with me and helped me out of it. So I think by us doing that for each other, not only are we helping create healthier people, healthier parents, healthier families, but we're also modeling that for our kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, our, our church and, and how we engage with one another models for our, our young people what church is. 
So if they, and uh, one of the things that I love about teenagers is that they are simultaneously, no offense to any of them, they are simultaneously uh, the, the most uh, self-centered and most perceptive of others uh, group of people that, that could possibly exist. Um, and, um, and their ability to perceive when we're playing church or when we're playing at relationships uh, is real strong. And, um, and, and so as we lean into being willing to tell each other the truth, um, uh, e- even if uh, we know the other person doesn't want to hear it, I mean, kindly, gently, graciously, all those things, but um, to, to be willing to, um, I don't know, when there's, when there's this tension of fakeness uh, in a room, uh, teenagers can tell. They just can't. And, and so to... Um, to, to love each other well, uh, I, I think one of, one of my guesses is why we are seeing across the country uh, so many kids grow up in church and walk away um, is that they heard words about authentic love and what they watched was a show. And, and that, um, yeah, uh, it, if, if what we're giving them is an experience of a show and not an experience of Jesus, that's... That's obviously not what we're what we're here to do. So, yeah. Any other thoughts about how we do this as a church? I was just going to say, if if we're asking our kids to share with us and be transparent yeah. with us, we need to model that for them. So, if I'm struggling with something, I know there are a number of individuals in this congregation that I can go to, mm-hmm. and so modeling that for my kids um, and not keeping it and trying to do it all perfectly myself personal issue, perfection. Um, Not alone in that one. uh, um, So I think just modeling is a huge, important part of raising our kids well. And so, like you said, Josh, they're going to see, are we being authentic? Are we, or are we playing church? Are we, uh, uh, do I really want to be in relationship with you? Or am I just giving it a few minutes of time and, hey, see you later. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, they notice. Valid. They notice. And, and even appropriately being willing to be honest with them of, um, uh, yeah, just where we're struggling. And I mean, it could be different at every age level. But, but yeah, yeah. Thought? Uh, I've been reflecting on my own journey. Um, I think growing up, when I looked at my church and its traditions, a lot of following Jesus was about having the right answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of it. So you got the right answers and you attended a church service somewhere and that was what it meant to be Christian. Um, and that doesn't mean to say there are not truth or there's not sure, truth, right? right. Um, but I think as I've been, like when I got out of um, high school and entered my 20s and I went to a Christian college because I was looking for the right answers, I began to realize mm-hmm. that following Jesus was... Uh, was practicing a way of life um, that is based off truth. And I think growing up, I don't remember ever being given tools to help me actually live out the way of Jesus or to live in light of truth. Um, I think the biggest, the most helpful thing that I came away with um, was, uh, this sounds a little outdated perhaps, but like a daily quiet time of like just the consistent practice of being alone with the Bible, with God and praying. Um, but that was like the only thing I was ever given. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that one of the things that we need, that we can do better as a community and not just as East Hills, but as the church in general is to really focus on the, 
the practical living out mm-hmm. um, the way of Jesus and to provide like just even simple tools. Um, and I'm still wrestling with this in my own journey yeah. and figuring out what that looks like right now. But yeah. I think that's part of what kids and I think um, this generation uh, has different questions and concerns than we had um, growing mm-hmm. up in our respective generations. Um, and so not only do we need to let them um, express doubt and ask questions, but we also need to be willing to go on the journey of discovering the answers. Because mm. um, there are probably things that we didn't really care much about or didn't think too much about um, when we were growing up and developing our faith. So I think mm. trying to go on the journey of, of learning, but then also realizing that uh, practice um, is a part of that as well. Yeah, yeah and um, the... Uh, I don't know, one of the things I've been thinking about lately, so this may be completely wrong, I may totally disagree with myself a month from now, uh, it feels like some of the questions that seemed so overwhelming to to me, or even when I first got into youth ministry, whatever, 15, 20 years ago, they were like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal question that they either don't care about anymore or um, they've become such everyday questions to them that it's like, well, of course we talk about that. Whereas it was like this, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about this taboo thing. Um, and and I, I think that's probably true across uh, all, all kinds of generations. But um, also was having a conversation just the other night with folks about how um, uh, technology and raising kids in technology stuff, even that has changed from my 13-year-old to my 10-year-old. Like, the three-year difference. Like, oh, your experience at five with the internet and your experience at five with the internet were very different things. Um, and, and so if the technology's changing that quickly, if their access to the world is changing that quickly, then certainly their, their questions and answers and those kinds of things are changing too. Yeah. Any other thoughts about how we... How we do that? Uh, speaking of technology, Sky, I know you've got uh, you got a book and some thoughts. Yes. Yes. Um, so at the end of February, Janelle and I are going to start up a small group that's going to be in our home. Uh, that's going to be centered around. It's really tiny, but if you can see it, it's called the TechWise Family. Um, it's written by a guy named Andy Crouch, and it he wrote it um, regarding his own family and their struggles with technology. Um, technology is changing constantly, it seems like, and it's it's hard to, to keep up, but it's also not something that just affects um, our students. It's also affecting us and our own lives, our own habits and our health and our practices and all these things. And so in this book, he goes through um, 10 tech-wise commitments, I think he calls them, um, that are around his family to how can they... Um, the Crouch family, engage technology in a healthy way that honors who people are and who they're made to be and also honors Jesus as they're following him as a Christian family. Um, and so the, the hope of this group is it's going to run for seven weeks and I'll be running, reading through the book, is to kind of engage uh, the, the little commitments that he has come up with, but it's also to create um, our own 10 commitments for how 
each of our families wants to engage technology. Um, so he's a musician. So one of his commitments is um, that we will not uh, play music to be heard, or we're going to sing, or something like that, which, that's ridiculous. Uh, because <laughs> no one wants to hear me sing. Uh, so that's not a healthy way for me to uh, engage technology. Um, so I think it's going to be different for every family. So yeah. the group's going to be an, an opportunity for people to come together to encourage one another to talk about their struggles with technology or with their kids, um, and then to think through their own healthy commitments to, yeah. to try out. Um, I've been using the word family, but I don't think this group is only beneficial for people who have teenagers. Household. Right any household. Yeah. This is any household, including if that household is just you. Right? As you're trying to figure out how you are supposed to honor Jesus and engage in healthy practices involving technology. Um, it could be you don't have children, but you hope to have some. It could be that you're happy being single and you're 23. That's cool, too. Um, like I, I want it to be open to anyone so that we can engage and yeah. think through what it means to follow Jesus in our technological age. So it's going to be at the end of February. It'll be Tuesday nights. It's going to be limited because uh, we want it to be a small group of people who can um, know and encourage one another. And it's going to be at our home. And so our home is small. So uh, <laughs> we can only fit so many people. Um, so more details on that will come out. But if yeah. you, this is already exciting to you, uh, please talk to me. Um, yeah. And we're excited to get this going. Sky at Eastills.org. Oh, I was just going to say grandparents, too. Grandparents, too. Yeah, grandparents, if you want to figure things out, go for it. There you go. Uh, the the other thing, and, and this class kind of, or this small group kind of ties into this idea. Um, one of the things that I think, I'll just say my generation of, of parents, um, for whatever reason, we seem to be really good at admitting that we don't know what we're doing and really bad at accepting the advice of others on what to do. Um, like, we really want to go, yep, no, I am. I'm a flawed parent. Um, I don't know if that's our get-out-of-jail-free card when our kids end up in jail or what that is, but uh, we, we, we like to be honest about that. But then it's really hard when somebody says, hey, have you thought about trying or what about this idea? Um, so... For us as a whole church, um, some of y'all uh, have raised kids uh, on into uh, adulthood. The, some of you are great grandparents. Um, raising kids today is most certainly different uh, than it was when you raised kids. Uh, but to make yourself available, to remind us to lead with love, to remind us uh, of unconditional love and of listening and those kinds of things, uh, to give some strategies on just to make yourself uh, available to, to people. And, and by that, I don't mean you watch the kid misbehaving in the back and you go, well, I'm going to go tell those parents how it's supposed to be done. Um, and I really appreciate that that's not us. Um, but just uh, that as a whole church, we would speak into that. And then as parents, uh, that we would be receptive to that and open to uh, other people have wisdom that we need. I know the best ideas that we've had as parents, we have stolen from other people. Um, and I, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, so, so there's the, the give and take of, of that. Um, on, uh, we, we just started uh, this last Friday night um, a, a monthly gathering of uh, parents whose kids are elementary school or under. 
um, as for this uh, forming of community as we're all going through similar things, um, but also to have the opportunity uh, sometimes to say, hey, uh, I've been there and, and maybe this idea will help, uh, but mostly just to say, I, I've been there and you're not alone and we can walk those things out together. So just being that kind of, of church that we are uh, willing to walk through all of those different seasons uh, with, with each other um, and, uh, and with those who are coming after us. Uh, any other last thoughts from you guys? Anything that you're just going to melt this afternoon if you don't get a chance to say? Okay, awesome. Uh, can you give these guys uh, a hand as they head back to their seats? Thank you guys for participating in this. Uh, and uh, as the worship team comes up, uh, let, me, let me pray for us and our community together. Father God, we are so grateful for uh, your grace, uh, for your unconditional love for us. Um, and we do want to be a place that reflects that in how we love each other in how um, we model uh, your love and grace. Um, Father, would you stir up in us a willingness to humbly speak the truth, a willingness to humbly receive it, a uh, grace um, that overcomes uh, all of our uh, doubts, um, and yet a place where we are uh, welcome to hold our doubts and to hold them uh, with each other, to hold them with you. Father, I'm, I'm so grateful that in the midst of our uh, doubts and uh, frustrations and I don't knows and big questions, um, that you simply sit with us and hold those with us um, in the light of your grace, in the light of your truth. Father, we want to be a, a people who do that for each other. Um, and do that for uh, those we are, are raising to help grow. Um, God, would you uh, give us uh, a, a love and grace for one another that we really would be known uh, as your followers, as your people, because that's what we want to be. Um, and we are, are grateful that you go with us on all of these journeys. And I, I want to pray specifically for our, our young people, for our children and our youth, um, that you would uh, guard them, that you would guide them, that you would stir in us a love for them uh, that is unconditional and full of grace, um, and that, um, that you would grow them um, into the people you have made them to be, because we know that no matter how much we love them, you love them so much more. Uh, would you grow them into who you uh, have for them to be? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.